What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Transformation Podcast brought to you by Soul City Church. Soul City exists to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this podcast helps you move forward in faith, whoever and wherever you're at. Okay, let's get into today's conversation. Hey everyone, my name is Noelle and you're listening to the Transformation Podcast, which is a new podcast brought to you by Soul City Church. And y'all, today I'm really just over the moon excited, honestly. We have a very, very special guest podcast host. I'm like, special guest podcast host? We have a special guest in the building and Honestly, y'all, it's not John or Jared. I spoiled it, but it's, it's, it's not them. Um, I'm so excited to welcome my friend Angela Nagel to <laughs> the Transformation Podcast as a guest host. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. And Angela and I have been friends ever since I started Soul City, which is almost four years ago. Mm-hmm. And we met in a um, small group, which was amazing. And the moment I met her, I was like, oh, yeah, like I'm <laughs> definitely going to be her friend. She's super cool. Um, and so, yeah, just tell us a little bit about what brought you to Soul City, Angela. Yeah, when I started coming here, um, so yeah, almost four years ago, about three and a half years ago, I had just moved to Chicago. Um, this My first time at Soul City, it was literally my second weekend uh, being here, and so showed up, and it just happened to be small group sign up, mm. um, and so I knew I wanted to meet people. I had just gotten to the city, and so I knew I liked the music, I liked sermon that day mm-hmm. I loved um like the mission of soul city to lead people into transforming relationships with Jesus yeah. and so I w- was just like am I gonna do this I guess <laughs> I'm just gonna jump right in and yeah. so that very first day there I signed up for a small group and yeah that happened to be where I met Noel and our group of girls that we hang out with and so yeah. it's just been it's been great yeah and Angela had we've led a small group yes. together we've been a part of small groups so she's just a gift to the soul city <laughs> community so Again, thank you for joining us. And you all, for those of you listening, I want to make sure I say this early because this is going to be a good one, right? Um, We want to make sure that you subscribe and leave a review for the podcast. It helps other people who are listening um, or who want to listen to the podcast find the podcast. Um, We enjoy our time here talking about great topics, having our guest speakers. And yeah, if you could leave a review um, and subscribe to the podcast, that would be awesome. So I know you all are thinking, where's Jared? Where's John? (laughs) Where are they? Are they here? John is here, you all. He's just quiet for right now, but he is here. Pastor John Jorgensen. What's up, everybody? He's our guest today. Y'all, it feels feels so strange on this side of things with Jared not being here to make fun of me. Oh, my gosh. I I like you already, Angela. (laughs) Oh, hello. Hi, it's good to be here today. You all Mm -hmm. Uh, thank you for joining us. We're so excited to dive deeper into your um, the word, the message that you gave last week. And what a great message. If you're listening to this podcast, you know how good it was. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're back for more. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Welcome back. So, yes. uh, How about you ask us a little bit about John, Angela? Yeah, so John, you mentioned um, in this sermon, and I know you mentioned it a lot, that you consider yourself a Bible nerd. Mm. So Hmm. when did that start? What happened that brought you to become a Bible nerd? Yeah, I realize that I say that a lot about myself, (laughs) and I I probably need to cool it a little bit, to be honest. Um, 
But I, so I grew up in a, and I think I might have touched on this a little bit last week, but maybe not on the podcast, but I grew up in a faith tradition that wasn't necessarily connected to a church. It was connected to like an after-school program uh, that was founded upon Christian values, but it was a theater program, and it was very much uh, an experience of faith through music and through mostly through emotions mm. and that's how that was the main way that we really connected to god and we was through prayer a lot we would pray before and after rehearsals and performances and all of these things but it was a very uh, emotionally emotionally driven connection to god and that was like my foot into the door and as i grew older and as i got more involved in church the bible was a place where i just felt consistently behind everyone else mm. because i didn't necessarily grow up with a traditional Sunday school education where you learn all the big stories. I wasn't, I didn't start going to church weekly really until late high school and even into college. Mm. And so I missed a lot of that. But then I think it was probably when someone introduced me to um, a literary reading of the Bible in, and a literary reading means reading the Bible as literature. Like when you come to the book of Psalms, reading it as poetry, just as you would read a Robert Frost poem or, you know, something written by Langston Hughes, you read it as poetry versus when you come to the Gospels and they're these imaginative biographies of someone. And, and when I started to, I love reading, and when I started to understand the literary genre of the Bible— and then I started to understand the history of how it's been interpreted. That was just so fascinating to me. And so part of it came from an insecurity of feeling like I was behind everyone else. And then the other part of it, w that's probably what drove me to get more interested in the Bible. And what has continually kept me on that track is that the Bible is one of those things where as soon as you feel like you've dug deep enough and you've hit the bottom, mm. you break open and there's an entire ca cave underneath that yeah, you didn't even right. know was there. And that's so interesting and exciting to me. Wow. No, that's good. And I think, I know, I may assume that when you're a pastor, you grew up in church. Like, that's mm -hmm. your background. <laughs> you're a preacher's kid and you just became a pastor um, because that was the trajectory for you because of your life. But it's good to know how you were um, introduced to the faith. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. So our church, Soul City, is walking through the book of Mark, which has been just great and phenomenal. I love the um, theological context that we're learning um, more and we're learning more about who Jesus is and like um, our church likes to say why he mattered, how he um, related to people in such a countercultural way. And your um, message was titled On the Edge of Hope. Again, just such a needed message. I, I just can't say enough good things about it. Um, but for those of you who may have not listened to it already, John, can you walk us to, through um, some context around Mark chapter 5? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so last week, if you listened, we talked with Nancy about Jesus and the Pharisees. Yes. In Mark chapter 2 and 3, Jesus has these consistent face-offs with the Pharisees, who are sort of these ultra-religious, rule-driven people of the mm -hmm. day. And then throughout Mark chapter 4, Jesus does a little teaching. Jesus doesn't do a whole lot of teaching in Mark. Um, it, I believe, has the least amount of teaching of any of the four Gospels. Mm -hmm. Mark is very action-oriented. But Jesus does some teaching. He teaches several parables. And those parables 
from Mark chapter 4 are all about what the kingdom of God looks like. Mm-hmm. They're these made-up stories that are not just meant to teach a lesson, but they're meant to uh, highlight and show a reality of the kingdom of God, which a scholar that I really love says that the kingdom of God is what the world looks like when God is in charge. Mm, That's the idea. Mm. And so Jesus' parables, whether it's the parable of the sower or the parable of the mustard seed, are about what does the world look like when the kingdom of God is a reality, when God is in charge. And so Jesus talks about it, and then what we could really look at is Mark chapter 5 is Jesus then goes and shows what that's like. Mm. And in Mark chapter 5 specifically, it might be my favorite chapter in Mark because we have these three healing stories like back to back to back. We have this demon-possessed man at the beginning of Mark chapter 5. Then we have the beginning of this story of Jairus, this religious leader who has a sick daughter. And then in the middle of that story, we have this story of this bleeding woman. And Jesus heals all three of these people. And we can Mm -hmm. talk about sort of the context of of how incredible these miracles really are. Um, But, but, Really, from Mark 4, Jesus is describing, here's what the kingdom is like. Here's what it's like when God is in charge. And you could look at Mark 5 and 6 as Jesus is showing us, here's what the kingdom looks like. Here's what it's like when God is in charge. Awesome. Um, And I'm I'm enjoying what Jesus is putting down. Come on. He's he's good. He has some really... Again, I, I grew up in church, so I've read some of these stories. But looking back at them again... Um, he's so relatable. Mm. He's so yeah. kind and so generous. And and again, I I'm always like, wow. I just learn more and more about his um approach to human connection. And I'm I really it does make you want to be more like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and see people in a way they've never been seen before. Um, so what I'd like to us to do is if we could go back and do a little bit of the reading for chapter five um and if angela do you mind sharing with us what chapter yes. five in our our woman with the issue of blood yeah so i'm going to read mark 5 25 through 29 okay and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had yet instead of getting better she grew worse when she heard about jesus she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought if i just touch his clothes i will be healed Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. So, John, you had mentioned the idea from these verses of the if I just faith moments. Can you briefly explain what that means? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I was I was reading this story a lot as I was preparing for this teaching, and that just that beginning phrase, if I just, really popped out to me. Yeah. And the, the desperation of it, um, but also the, the faith of it, you know, you could say, if I just is this idea that um, the desperation is, gosh, if I can just get there, please, 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 please. But then there's also a face of it, like a faith in it, that all I need to do is just, just touch his robe, and then everything will change for me. And th- the when that phrase popped up, I, I began to question, like, how often do we show up to church or to God with a faith that says, if I just. And sometimes that if I just faith feels like faith of, you know, I'm going to take this giant risk, and if I just do this, then I really believe that God is going to do something. But then other times it, it doesn't necessarily feel like faith. It feels like desperation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It feels like, gosh, if I can just get there, if I can just get through the door, or if I just try this, or if I just talk to them, or if I just send this text or this phone call, 
uh, sometimes it's out of a place of desperation. But I, I really wanted to explore and highlight those moments because I think it's when oftentimes we reach those if I just moments when we are on the edge of hope as the as the teachings shared. You know, we reach them when we are at a place where we've maybe explored some other options, but they haven't really worked out for us. And so we think, well, gosh, maybe if I just try this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's interesting because I think I'm, I would think more when you're in those desperate moments, that's when your faith is low. Like mm-hmm. that's what I would, I would think in that realm. Mm-hmm. But in reality, that is sometimes when you can end up having these moments where your faith is actually kind of, it's it's heightened because yeah. it's literally all you have. Like you've gotten so desperate that all you have is just that little bit of faith to reach out and touch the, you know, this corner of Jesus's cloak or whatever it is, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. And we were sort of talking a little bit before how, you know, for this woman in this moment, her reaching out and touching Jesus's cloak, it might, it might not have felt like faith to yeah, her. Right. It mm-hmm. it, she, in her mind, she probably wasn't like, man, this is a, super faithful thing to do mm-hmm. it probably felt like desperation it probably felt like fear you know because this woman because of her you know issue of blood she was risking making jesus unclean you know it was a big deal for her to do this uh but for jesus it felt like faith right G- it, the story makes it very clear that jesus felt something where something went out of him and there's a lot of conversation around like you know how does Jesus heal and when does he heal and all? And yeah. I don't think that's necessarily what this story is about. Mm. But one thing I think we can know for sure about this story is that when it comes to the power of Jesus, there's something about human faith that activates it in, in a bit of a different wow. way. Yeah. And not like it's a vending machine necessarily, yeah. not like we can just go to it whenever we want. But what I pull from the, one of the things I pull from this story that didn't necessarily make it into the message is that. God is responsive to our faith Mm -hmm. that when we reach out in faith, even if we wouldn't even name it as that, but when we reach out in faith, God feels that Jesus feels that and it activates some power and some compassion and some love in him. Yeah. And I'm thinking while you're talking of what I read about, um, Jesus being in human form and connecting with us through that experience, um, so when you said that something about when us as, you know, um, I don't I want to be theologically sound, but us as, you know, image bearers of Christ or him walking in the skin of, you know, people. Um, that's just an interesting connection to me that that's something that calls to him. He understands it like it's um, he sees us because he's had our experiences. Like, I think, and you can, again, Pastor John, come through. Um, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, he's gone through everything that we've gone through. And that was even the bigger story of him coming down in human flesh. Um, and I didn't know if that even connected with him being empathetic or our, um, something activating in him when that, when we call out to him and, and show our desperation. I don't know if you have any thoughts around that. No, I think you articulated it incredibly well that our, the faith of this woman activates not only a power in Jesus, but an empathy. Yeah. And it, it that is something we see consistently, mm-hmm. you know, that I don't want to 
jump on next week's episode, but mm-hmm. you know, the f- in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus looks on this crowd and he has compassion on yes, them. You know, yes. there's something about the human condition that activates this compassion. And that compassionate response from God predates Jesus, certainly. We see that happening. Yes. But I don't know if necessarily God becoming Jesus increased God's ability to be compassionate on us. I don't think that's what happened. I mm-hmm. think rather God becoming Jesus increased our ability to receive that compassion. Okay, yes. Because yes. previously it was just this abstract idea of a God that has compassion on you. Yes. And now we can say, no, 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 but this God, as you were saying, put on human flesh, knows what it feels like to suffer, knows what it feels like to go through the difficulties of human relationships, knows what it feels like to be persecuted, knows what it feels like to die. Yeah. I think that changes not how God feels about us, that changes the way we feel about God. Right. I yeah, think. that's good clarification. Yeah, absolutely. So do you guys have any examples in your own lives that you can think of, of these, if I just faith moments? Yeah, absolutely. There's, um, there's a whole, I was telling both of you before we started, I wrote about six versions of this message. (laughs) Just (laughs) some messages come easier. Other ones take a little bit more wrestling. And in a previous iteration, I had a whole story about how I, how I initially came to Soul City. Because for me, I came to Soul City when I myself was sort of on the edge of hope in a way, I I was on the edge of a ho- of hope in terms of my relationship to Christianity and to the church. Before coming to Soul City, I had been doing ministry, not working for a church, but working in several different churches, mm-hmm. uh, doing some guest teaching and doing a lot of ministry online through these YouTube videos that I was producing. And what I discovered during that time, among other things, was how cruel and at times judgmental and Mm -hmm. self-righteous Christians, especially online, can be to one another uh, when they're having these discussions. And my, my faith in not necessarily God, but my faith in the church and my faith in Christians was very, very low. Mm. And I kind of came to Soul City like, okay, sure, whatever. Um, but there was a piece of, you know, if, if I just try out this church, yeah. because I had, w- I had heard from a friend that, you know, Jarrett and Jeannie and their leadership, it wasn't like that at all, that this was not a church where you would go in and people would, you know, quiz you on your biblical knowledge right away. It wasn't that type of place. And so there was an if I just moment of like, and it really, w- it didn't feel like faith. It felt like reluctance mm-hmm. to me in some mm-hmm. ways. But I was like, you know, if I just try this out for a few weeks, we'll see. Um and, you know, here I am today, f- you know, four and a half years later. Yeah. <laughs> on the staff. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think for me, that moment that of if I just, it, it was looking back, I think it was faith, um, but I wouldn't have labeled it as that at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I'd say for me, and I, I gave myself the challenge because I knew this was coming, um, of being honest and vulnerable, similar to how John is, but I... And for those who um, I don't really look too much into, but the Enneagram, uh, they say I'm an Enneagram seven. So sevens are the party, right? And they love to have a good time. And that's I'm all about a good time, y'all, with the Holy Spirit being there as well. But (laughs) (laughs) a good time led by led by the Holy Spirit. Um, But they also have sevens, they say, have 
high highs and very low lows. Uh, and low lows meaning could be different for every person. But for me, my low lows um, look like when I've committed to so many different things and I'm, I have my hand in so many pots or I feel overwhelmed by the quote unquote like call on, on my life or or the pressure I put on myself to be perfect or to be high energy and fun loving all the time. I go in. It's kind of like. When you drink too much caffeine, you have a really, really bad crash. That's kind of what happens mentally. Um, I go into this kind of numbness and like a darker space where it's not only that I don't want to do the commitments I have, but I don't want to reach out to family. I don't want to talk to people. I I even used to go as far as like, you know, I just want to shut my phone off for a day, not have any responsibilities and just live my life. Um and of course, if you are struggling with, you know, clinical depression and things like that, I'd also recommend seeing a psychiatric, have a psychiatric evaluation. But I believe in counseling to help process these things. And that's what's helped me a lot as well. But when I, I remember those times where I'd just be, um, you know, just in my room or by myself and just be like, I want to shut off so bad. Like, I don't want to speak to anyone. Um, but my if I just moment was reaching out to my loved ones, reaching out to my family, not canceling on that, you know, dinner that I scheduled that night just because I don't want to be bothered with people. And something that also paired with this really well is letting people know who you are and what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are. So when when I have those moments now, I have so much accountability around me that people won't even let me um, sink how I want to sink. My mom's like, don't sink don't sink, you know, stay, stay above. I'm like, okay, I'm treading water, but <laughs> I really want to shut down. But I think I like how you said, if I just moments don't always have to feel like faith, but they have to feel like, you know, I'm going to do it scared. I'm going to press through what I'm feeling to reach out um, to someone that Jesus can speak through, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, there's definitely what you're speaking of. There's a fear that I feel like is pretty consistent with this woman of yeah. like she reaches out. She doesn't know what the response is going to be. Right. She doesn't know if that, if she's going to be met with love and compassion like she is. In fact, she probably assumes that she's not, right. you know, and I, I feel like that can be true for those of us who are in a similar situation where we want to draw into isolation. We want to draw just into ourselves and block yes. out the world, but we know what's good for us is to reach out I- into community there's a fear of the, there's an unknown there, you yeah. know, of how are people going to respond to this? I, I, I appreciate that, Noel. Yeah. And when you said you, you just have, it, it really feels like you're mustering up all the energy you have left. Like, I really, 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 really don't want to do that. But that tiny, small voice in the back of my head is just saying, just try. Um, and I think what I reach out for is for to to feel seen, to feel known, mm. that someone can see me as I, you know, struggle through whatever I'm struggling through at that moment. But I think that's why, you know, reach out um, to mm. people or, you know, take a walk or just respond very quietly back to a text like, I'm all good. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm doing all right. So yeah, yeah thank you it's the that. it's the gospel of Taylor Swift. It's this is me trying. <laughs> oh, you know, I you guys know that song. Angela, uh, it's is on a the new album. It's so <laughs> good, y'all. It's so good. Is Those it? of you who listen, this is me trying is a 
that song hits me deep. But it's a song specifically about that. Like the lyrics mm-hmm. are, I just wanted you to know that this is me trying. Yes. Like this is me reaching out. This is that and that's faith. It's like this Ooh, is my version. Never did you do the cricket. <laughs> Yo, look. How dare you? I mean, appreciate y'all Taylor Swift fans up in this mug. Um, we love you. Uh I, I don't really I just can't really Oh <laughs> Y'all. But I but we I want you to know you. I don't feel very welcome on this podcast Ooh. right now as the guest. <laughs> my gosh but no no that i think that that's you're right like she's speaking to um to people who just need to be seen or people who mm-hmm. need like i'm really i just need help and yeah i may not have the language for yeah. it but and it doesn't look like effort to you it doesn't yes. this doesn't it doesn't look like showing up when yeah. i'm just like sitting here like but you don't know how hard it was for me to just like to sit here sit here <laughs> right. and walk in this room right so. absolutely mm-hmm. um so as we kind of keep going on this vein of um, faith and what does that look like? I think something that was so profound for you, um, profound that you said was to be a person of faith means we have to be, well, people think it means that you have to be fully convinced and fully bought in on everything from day one, meaning you got to join all the small groups. You got to, you know, know, you know, your theology, um, and you have to understand God in, in his entirety, and you're just uh, this all-American Christian. Um, but when you say that, I don't know about anyone else who listened to the the uh, message, but there was just a weight that lifted off my shoulders. Again, I struggle with this idea of like perfectionism, and so to hear that you don't have to be fully bought in. You don't have to know everything. And again, if we go back... Um, we see that people were still, even in the Bible, even in the Old Testament, still trying to find their way, like still trying to figure out what the call was, what was God saying to them at that time. But I guess my question for us, because again, we were all believers here. Do we think that that's something, this all or nothing mentality, because it can sometimes hinder, you know, new believers as well. Um, is that something that we place on ourselves or is that something that we think is perpetuated by american christian culture i guess i'm just trying to figure out where is this coming from Mm -hmm. um i don't know if you have any thoughts on that yes (laughs) (laughs) it's a great question yeah Uh, yeah, i'm sorry because i I think it i think it is probably both Mm -hmm. that's Mm. yeah it's probably both it's probably something that um my Aaron and I, my wife, we talk about a lot is the the unspoken narratives and the unwritten rules of of anything, mm-hmm, but yeah. specifically of the church and of Christianity, you know. And I think I think what you were just talking about those are some unwritten rules, or at least you know unspoken narratives that to be a person of faith means you know you never doubt or you never have questions or you got you you know this you know this whole book right you yeah, know you right. know this whole the whole bible you know the whole thing um and, and i think that is that is sometimes perpetuated by the way people like myself show as pastors show up on stage like oftentimes my experience in church has been a, a pre coming to soul city has been a pastor that shows up as exactly that mm-hmm. the polished all-american christian who you know in their self-contained 35 minutes does know quote everything about the bible mm. doesn't necessarily reveal any sort of any sort of cracks in their own character or any sort of vulnerability whatsoever 
And so I think there's a responsibility, speaking from where I'm sitting, that church leaders have to to tear down that narrative that you were just talking about. Because if everyone thinks they need to get to, by the way, not even a real version of myself in order Mm -hmm. to show up, then Mm -hmm. it's like, let's, I think we've, I think we've lost it here. Yeah. But I do think it is powerful um, that you said that it's on the responsibility of those who are in leadership in the Christian community or I think for me, I'm not necessarily, I'm not a Christian leader, but as a believer, I always try to strip that down. Like just because you see me host a couple of times doesn't mean I have, you know, God has called me more than he's called you. You know, I, I love that our church and Jeannie and Jared in terms of, you know, people are so relatable like you can walk up to people after they speak and say oh that was great man like even the little things of like breaking down this whole like I'm better than you because I walked up three steps to get on stage Mm. um, idea because I've seen that historically in church and it's kind of left a bitter taste in my mouth too because I'm like that's not what the gospel is Jesus was relatable he did say oh who touched me and not in a way that was like who touched me like how dare you (laughs) touch me that was kind of like my white girl voice yeah i'm a bad but (laughs) (laughs) i mean since you're talking about taylor swift you know um (laughs) but yeah i think he was like yeah who who touched me he wanted to know and so he can give them that encouragement and like Mm. i felt what you felt like i love that and Mm. so thank you for for saying that yeah and and it's it is it's those it's those people it's the and, and that I don't say that derogatorily. I mean, it is the people like this bleeding woman. Yes. It is the people like a demon-possessed man at the beginning of Mark chapter 5 that the story makes it clear everyone else in his village is terrified of him. Yes. Would never go near him. It's the, it's the, per, it is the, literally it is the person when you're riding the L and they come into your cart and you're like, you start to feel a little bit. Yeah. Okay, uh, I'm not really sure. Like, who is who is this person? What are they saying? Like, could they potentially be violent? I'll admit that stuff gets activated in me from yes, time to time. Yeah. Jesus is, not only is Jesus apparently just uh, compassionate, Jesus is drawn towards folks like that and celebrates their faith. Yeah. What's what's uh, What I love so much about this story, one of the things, is that this woman is the one whose faith gets celebrated and the disciples, who are the ones who follow Jesus every single day, don't get it at all. They're mm-hmm. like, what do you mean, who touched me? There's a million people around here. What are you, what are you bothering about? What are you, this is so unimportant. Can't we go to the, like, the ministry thing that we were about to do? Right. The big healing we were about to do. Mm-hmm. But, but G, you know, it, and so I love that Mark positions it where like, people like the Pharisees, who follow all the rules, the disciples who are following Jesus every single day, they're actually not the ones who get it consistently. It's those who the Pharisees and the disciples want to exclude that Jesus is like, no, you actually need to be more like this woman. Mm -hmm. You actually need to be more like the little children. And I I just, I love that. Yeah. And it's so funny that like history always repeats itself, right? Like I, I personally don't want to be someone who doesn't get it, but I know that I am someone who doesn't get it. I am that person who, there's a little lock on my door when I'm <laughs> driving at night sometimes. I'm like, oh, boy, hold on. It's not locked. Let me make sure. Um, and and that's not what um, what Jesus does. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that that's powerful. Um, it, it's why his ministry is powerful and why his sacrifice is and continues to be very powerful. Mm-hmm. 
a random thought just as you guys are talking about that. I It just makes me think, like, I don't know, sometimes as believers, all of this kind of stuff can just become normalized. Yes. Like, we're so numb to it because we talk about it all the time or we hear preachers talk about it every Sunday or whatever it is. So, like, but we're s- someone for, like, that woman. Like, it's not normalized. And so... I don't know. I don't I don't know if I'm wording this correctly on what I'm trying to get out. But like um, even something like like Jesus dying on the cross, that's so easy for a Christian to just be like, oh, yeah, he died on the cross for our sins. Yes. But like, what does that really mean? Like mm-hmm. he was tortured on the cross and gave up everything for our sins. But it's just something that when you're a Christian and you talk about all the time, it's just so easy to just like it's just so, I don't know, we're just become numb to is something that's so amazing. So yes. like all the things that Jesus does and his healing, we can just so nonchalantly talk about it and just be like, oh yeah, because that's what he does. But mm. like for that woman, it was such, it was such a different level for her. Yeah. Mm. It's, w- it's when the good news becomes old news Oof. or like mm. who cares, you know, yeah. not who cares, but like everyone, uh, for me, it's like, well, everyone know already knows this, right? right? Mm. Everyone already knows this, but and and I actually struggled with that in putting together this message. I was like, mm. I don't want to put together an, a message, another message where it's like, if you need hope today, <laughs> you know, because I'm like, how many messages have I heard mm-hmm. about that? And then I was, I thought back to, and this is something I go back to quite a bit. About a year ago, my, my parents got a divorce. And I remember my mom told me that my dad had moved out on a Saturday night. And the next Sunday morning we, I, we went to a church that she was going to out in the suburbs and I was sitting there and we both wept through worship. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was like, someone shows John, someone shows up to your church every single week and their dad moved out that week. Mm -hmm. Like someone showed up and their husband moved out last week Yeah, or their friend unexpectedly passed like there is someone in there every single week this can't it can't be old news for you right. yeah you know it's it doesn't it can't be that and so that i think you're right that we can't let that become just like passe we mm-hmm. can't let it become just oh well everyone already knows this type of stuff yeah and especially since we're still alive and we're still breathing that means that there's more people who need the good news like and we can't forget about them. And that's why you, I mean, that's why I feel like my duty as a Christian is to spread the gospel to people. But I definitely am not doing that as much as I could be doing that, as much as I could, you know, make room in my life to make sure that I'm going out and talking to people and not always in like a, not I don't want to say weird, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Not in a, You can say weird. But <laughs> and not in a weird, like, have you heard Jesus today? <laughs> no, but, like, in my context, am I sharing the love of Christ through my actions, through the compassion to not just my patients and my families, but to my coworkers? And am I showing them um, love and that empathy that Jesus freely gave to people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's you know we can live we can show the good news in a Mark chapter four way yeah. of you know teaching it and telling stories and explaining it that's one way of doing it or you can show the or you can show the good news in a Mark chapter five way yeah of of embodying it and yes. being the type of person who who lives that good news yeah and li- and like you said um, at the end it's an inclusive good news and I thought inclusive is such a buzzword and some people may mm-hmm. not. Um, may not agree that it's for everyone, mm. but it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the truth of the gospel. 
I love um, that you added that to the end. Yeah, and I mean, originally when when we were putting together this Mark series, I was like, we should teach on all three of these stories from Mark Mm -hmm. chapter 5 because Mm -hmm. Jesus, not only does he do this three-peat of healings, he's doing this with a demon-possessed man who ends up, a girl who ends up being a dead body at one Mm -hmm. point and a bleeding woman. The bleeding woman was not the only person who was considered unclean. There are also laws in Leviticus against touching dead bodies and anyone who's possessed in any sort of, anyone who's possessed in any sort of wow, way. Yeah. So the the healings that Jesus does, one, two, three, are unclean person, not afraid of that. Mm-hmm. Unclean person, not afraid of that. Dead girl, not afraid of that. Mm-hmm. Like there is no, you know, contamination, quote unquote, that, that Jesus cannot bring purification to, you know. That's that's just who he is. That's that's the good news. That there's no one too far, no one too far on the edge. Wow, yeah, and I think that's just a great place um, to leave us today. That you're not too far on the edge of hope. Thank you so much for one recapping this wonderful sermon. Amazing, it was amazing. Um, thank you so much for doing and giving us context because again, context is key and it, it brings light yeah. and sheds light to so much. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Angela. Yes, Angela. Thank you so much Angela. for stepping in and, yes. and doing such a better job than Jarrett could ever. <laughs> That's because he wasn't bullied this episode. <laughs> I was bullied for my Taylor Swift reference, oh, but you know what? My true. wife is happy for oh. for it. <laughs> yes, she doesn't yes, listen. Yes, wifey. Uh, thank you for joining us. Seriously, again. thank you so much. Thank, yeah, thank you, you, Julian, for just being an amazing person and leader and it comes to our producing. So we really, really, really appreciate you. And thank you, listeners. You guys are just the best. Again, um, I'm always going to have a call to action. Um, in terms of making sure that you subscribe and leave a review so that other people can find this podcast and experience transformation for themselves. So as we always do it, guest, could you please leave us with a benediction? Sure, absolutely. Uh, our prayer is that God would meet you on the edge this week, where wherever, whatever edge you might find yourself on, uh, and that you would experience his transforming love, his healing and his grace and peace and thanks everyone Thanks so much for listening to the Transformation Podcast brought to you by Soul City Church. For more from Soul City, including teaching, giving information, or to join us for any of our weekend gatherings, visit our website, soulcitychurch.com.